Welcome to The Portable Pastor, a podcast of relevant biblical teaching, linking ancient truth with today's challenges. Each week, Pastor Mike will share God's Word to help you and remind you that God is pro-you. So download the outline from fbcclover.life and get ready to hear today's teaching. Here's Pastor Mike. Well, hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in again to the podcast. I hope you're having a great day and a good week getting ready for Christmas. I know that that I am. I'm sitting here in my office, got the fire going and the, the wassail in hand and uh, just enjoying these days. And I hope that you are doing the same. Look, we've been talking about Christmas in the Old Testament. And today I want to talk about the accuracy of a prophecy in Matthew 1 in chapter 2. So please turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1, or you can just uh, listen if you're if you're driving. Today I want to continue in our sermon series, Christmas in the Old Testament, by reading uh, Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus and compare it to, uh, I want to compare it to various prophecies in the Old Testament. Now we, we've already examined the fulfillment of a promise that he made to correct the curse after Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, and we learned that uh, we learned that the birth of Jesus signaled the beginning of the fulfillment of God's promise for our salvations. We were challenged to accept the gift and then revel in the fulfilled promise. We've also looked at the realization of the covenant that God made with Abraham. Now we learned that if we connect the dots of, of the, the prophetic ribbon of truth that flows down through the Bible concerning the first coming of Christ, we'll, we'll be motivated to commemorate Christ during the Christmas season and, and learn to count on God in all the situations of our lives. I hope you remember the covenant that God made with Abraham ran down through the line of David. It was reiterated by the, by the Old Testament prophecy, which was fulfilled by Christ and has affected us today. Now, when fully understood, that truth causes us to celebrate the Savior instead of the season. After all, you know, seasons change. They, they come and go. But the Savior does not. He is the same forever. Today, I'd like for you to consider the accuracy of the prophecies given by God to the Old Testament writers concerning the events around the birth of Jesus, including the birth itself. <clears throat> At the end of this teaching, we'll come back to the conclusion that the birth of Jesus is, is quite unique, to say, to say the least. We will also see that this child is worthy of our worship and that God's word can be trusted. So put on your thinking hats and let's get started. Let me take a sip of this wassail. <clears throat> oh man, that's good. Man, that is really good. So Matthew 1.1 begins by reiterating what we learned last week. It says, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. There was a, there was a covenant that God made with Abraham in which his offspring would be given a new name and start a great kingdom and bless all the nations of the world. And Matthew recognized the fulfillment of it in Christ. You see, Jesus would come through the line of Abraham. We talked about that that last week. This is why he opens with that line in his gospel account. Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Since we've already delved into that prophecy and we'll discuss gene uh, the genealogy, the lineage of Jesus more on December 26th, let's just press on with the second prophecy that's accurately fulfilled. Look at verses 18 through 25 with me. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. 
When his mother Mary had betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save you, or he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what God had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Verse 24, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took a wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, there is a lot to study in this passage. I mean, think about it. Mary and Joseph engagement, uh, Mary's pregnancy by the Holy Spirit, the desired divorce by Joseph, the appearing of the angel to change Joseph's mind, and the fact that they were not physically husband and wife until after Jesus was born all point to the uniqueness of this conception. Now, I'm not going to dive into those things today, but I do want you to notice how the angel convinced Joseph to go through with this marriage. He used Old Testament prophecy to do so. Listen to Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. That is almost verbatim what the angel told Joseph. You see, Jesus would be born of a virgin. Why, why was he born in this most, most innocent of ways? Well, verse 22 tells us that all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. You see, God wants us to trust him, right? How, how better to earn someone's trust than to keep your word? There is no better way. God wants you to know that he has always kept his word. Another reason that Jesus had to be conceived this way is so that there would be there, there would be credence to the fact that he is indeed the son of God. <clears throat> when asked, aren't you the son of Joseph? His, his reply could honestly be, well, he raised me, but God the Holy Spirit is my bi my bio dad, my biological dad. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus would be honest. He, he's always true to his word too. So he was born of a virgin because God said he would be. But there's so much more about this passage, and we don't have time to cover it today, so let, let's just move on. Let's follow along in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. This is what it says. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the Great, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. 
Then, then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Now, after listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when, the saw, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. So like the previous passage, there's a whole lot that we could cover here, but let's focus on, on the matter of prophecy. It says Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Prophecy tells us that Jesus will be born in Bethlehem. When asking the scribes and the priests why the wise men were in town, they told Herod about the prophecy. This is what they said. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. This is a prophecy straight out of the Old Testament. I mean, it could be any clearer. Micah 5, Micah 5 2 says, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathath, I don't know how to say that, Ephrathath, uh, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, for, for from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is of old from ancient days. It was told long time ago. Now, you may not know this, but Bethlehem is... is is, an, is also the birthplace of David. Yeah, the same David who was in the middle of the lineage between Abraham and Jesus. Ironic? Well, you, you tell me. Furthermore, Bethlehem says, or it means house of bread. Now later, Jesus would say that he is the bread of life. And even later, he would break bread to symbolize the breaking of his body for the punishment of sin. The second half of that town's name Ephrathah means fruitful. Bethlehem was a place with many olive orchards and and lots of vineyards. Later, Jesus would say, I am the vine and you are the branches. And even later, he would take up the cup of wine and compare it to his own blood being shed for the forgiveness of sin. From this passage, we could go on and on and on with these strange correlations. But this passage also tells us that a star would point to Jesus. Verse 3 says, he saw his star when it rose and we've come to worship him. People have been fascinated with and and studying stars forever. This star was different though. It it was special. It it moved. (laughs) It, It was prophesied in Numbers 24, 17. It says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, out of Israel, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. There's no other record in the scriptures of anyone else seeing this star. These wise men, maybe they were the only ones looking for it, but it seems more plausible that this was just no ordinary star, and it was only them that was meant for this to be seen. Now, the, the wise men followed this star, 
it, it stopped over that, that particular house in Bethlehem where Jesus was. Why would it stop right there? Because it was, it was a prophetic and unique star. It was meant only to take them to the Savior. Now, using that term scepter would infer that a, a king would rise out of Israel. Now, a scepter is a noticeable um, indication that the one who carries it is, is royalty. Every, everybody understood what this meant. This is why Herod was so upset to hear about the, the Christ child's birth. This is why the wise men were willing to travel all the way from Persia to see him. This is why they brought him those expensive gifts. Prophecy tells us that Jesus would be given gifts. And these, these are no ordinary baby shower type gifts. Gold was given to Jesus. Gold. It symbolized God coming in the flesh. It reflected his, his divinity. Frankincense was given to Jesus. It was a it was a very expensive spice used in, in worship services. It was burned as a fragrant aroma to the Lord, and, and, and he was given myrrh, and, and myrrh is another spice. It's similar to frankincense, uh, except that it's used to make embalming fluid, kind of morbid, huh? It symbolized suffering. Now, these gifts would symbolize the life of Jesus, being divine on earth, pleasing to God, obedient in everything that he did, and one who suffers. Now, strangely enough, these, these gifts, the giving of these gifts was a part of Old Testament prophecy as well. Listen to Psalm 72, 10 and 11. May the kings of Tarshish and of the coastlands render him tribute or give him gifts. May the kings of Sheba or, and Seba bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him and all nations serve him. Now, these kings were from the east. They were probably Persians who would have learned the prophecies by reading the writings of Daniel. You'll remember that, that Daniel, the prophet Daniel, and many others were taken captive to serve the Persians when, when they were overtaken. Now, Daniel rose up in the ranks because he interpreted the king's dreams and he became well known for his prophetic writing. We have some of those writings today in our Bibles, in the book of Daniel. Now, these, these educated men, they came from the east, from where Daniel was. And they brought gifts for the Messiah with them, just as the prophecy foretold. And they bowed before him. And eventually, all nations will do the same. They're going to bow before him too. We've we got to move on. Now let's look at Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 18. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and he took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt. And he remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken to the prophet. Out of Egypt I have called my son. And then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he became furious and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were there two years old and under according to the time that had been ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, 
weeping and loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because there was no, because they are no more. So in this passage, we see that, that Jesus would be would be taken to Egypt. Now there's a couple reasons for this. First is of course to fulfill the prophecy of the Old Testament. Hosea 11.1 1 says, When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. God had already promised to do this. So, so to Egypt, this young family went. Secondly, the angel had them to take flight to Egypt because Jesus was in grave danger. Now, the angel appeared in a dream, told Joseph to get his family out of there. Herod was about to go on this murderous rampage, and Joseph woke up. And he did exactly what the angel said. And what the angel said about Herod came true. Many young boys would die after Jesus was born. And I don't, I don't like this part of the story. But Herod ordered every male child under two years old in Bethlehem to be killed. And this was prophesied too. We read it in Matthew, but it comes from Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 15. It says, thus says the Lord, a voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children and she refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. And Rachel, or in this passage, Rachel is used as a a pronoun for Israel. Specifically, it's used to represent the Jews of Bethlehem. The amount of grieving in Bethlehem must have been horrific. I mean, just horrible. Every boy child under two years old was killed. Of course, Israel was in mourning. This is is evidence of, of Satan, that serpent, trying to crush the seed of the woman before that seed crushes his head. If the devil could kill the Messiah as a child then the Messiah would never grow old enough to kill him. However, this was a plan which God was fully aware. After all, he knows everything. So this attempt was prophesied in the Old Testament. So those are some of the prophecies that foretold some of the events around the birth of Christ. Jesus would come through the line of Abraham. He would be born of a virgin. Jesus would be born in Bethlehem and a star would point to him. Jesus would receive gifts and Jesus would be taken to Egypt and many would die at his birth. Man, that's a lot of prophecies that Jesus fulfilled in just the first, you know, one or two years of his life. Now, what does this cause us to do at Christmas time? Why did God include these things in the Christmas narratives? Well, first, it should cause us to see the the uniqueness of, of the events around Jesus' birth. This was no ordinary time, and this was no ordinary birth. I mean, think about it. Angelic visitations, a Holy Spirit conception, a virgin giving birth, the family moving quickly at least twice, weird stars that move, traveling wise men, elaborate baby gifts, over-the-top baby gifts, dreams and visions, and a psychotic king, and a murderous attempt to kill Jesus. All of this points to a a one-of-a-kind birth and an eventful early childhood, to say the least. So see the uniqueness around the birth of Christ. That's why this season is filled 
with wonderment. Now, we try to make it about the, the magic of Santa Claus and elves and toys and reindeer. We try to make it the most wonderful time of the year. It was wonderful before, way before we tried to make it wonderful. It was a unique point in history where all of these supernatural things were happening. See the uniqueness around the birth of Jesus. It, it was truly a time of wonderment. Secondly, we should, we should learn to be wise and worship the Savior. In, in these events, at, at least most of them, not, not the, birth, the, the death of all of those babies, but at most of them, we should find reasons to celebrate at Christmas time. Then we, we should not stop celebrating just, just the season, but we, would, we should gather for worship of the Savior just as the wise men did. Now, our church is, we, we try to help people do this. On Christmas Eve, even this year, we're going to have two services at 5 and 6.30 in our COAC, and, and we're going to take communion together and read Christmas passages and sing Christmas carols. It is a wonderful, wonderful night remembering the real reason that we have Christmas. But not only that, I, I want to encourage you to, to take moments every day during this month to say thank you God thank you for the gift of your son and offer him offer him your your attention and your life offer him the gift of even money that goes towards his cause we take up an offering in our church every year it's called the Lottie Moon Mission Offering and 100% of that money goes to support international missionaries all over the world and so we do that together. If you've not participated in that ever or haven't done it yet this year, please do so. You can find the link on our website, fbcclover.life. In the bottom right-hand corner, you can, uh, you can give to that. It's a great way to worship the Lord and further His cause. But we must be wise. We must worship the Savior and not worship the season. We're smarter than that. We know the story behind today's interpretation of Christmas. And finally, finally, we, we trust in God's word. He has kept his word always. And he kept his word concerning the 300 plus prophecies of Jesus. I read an article on BibleTimes.com entitled, Is Jesus for Real? Can There Actually Be Mathematical Proof? And in that article, this is what, well, just listen to what the author wrote. Mathematics and astronomy... Professor Peter W. Stoner has made the statement that the chance of eight prophecies, like the ones that we've talked about today, coming true by sheer chance is 1 in 10 to the 17th power. That would be the equivalent of covering the whole state of Texas, 268,587 square miles, with silver dollars two feet deep, and then expecting a blindfolded man to walk across the state and on the very first try find the one that you marked. It's absolutely, I, I mean, just almost completely impossible. But yet it was realized. It came true. And if God kept his word in that great of detail concerning the birth of his son, when he says to you, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And whenever he says, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved, then we can trust him. 
He has always kept his word. I hope that you've come to the conclusion that the birth of Jesus is is quite unique. I hope you realize that this child is worthy of our worship and that God's word can be trusted. The question is, will you trust him with your life today? I did that. I knew I wanted a relationship with God. And at a younger age, I tried my best to earn his approval. I worked very hard from 10 years old to 17 years old. <clears throat> I did I did everything that I, I could possibly do. I, I went to all the camps, mission trips. I led people to Christ. I led Bible studies at school. I was the Teens for Jesus president in high school, like three or four years. I, I, um, I, I did all of these things I could possibly do. But when I was 17, I heard a preacher say one time, God doesn't want your work. He, he wants you. And you can't earn your way to him. That's the beauty of, of, of our faith. It is in our faith, eternal salvation, eternal blessing is a gift that you can't earn, only receive. Would you receive that gift today? You must have the right heart. You must be willing to give up your own wants and wishes and desires and do exactly what, what God tells you to do. And you got to ask him to forgive you of your sins and, and to come into your life, to be Lord of your life. And you got to commit to live for the glory of his name and just receive the gift. Have you done that? Maybe you want to do that today. Maybe today you can just pray this prayer in your heart and mean it. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. And I know that I need a Savior. Thank you for sending one a long time ago. Thank you for letting him take on my sins and the punishment for my sins and die on a cross for him. I receive this gift. I ask you to forgive me. Be Lord of my life. I'll do what you say. And I'll follow you and glorify your name as much as I possibly can. Just save me today, please, God. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it in your heart, you are saved. You have received the gift of eternal life. It will never, ever leave you. I'd love to pray with you more. If you could let me know at mike at fbcclover.com, <clears throat> I'd love to rejoice with you in this, especially at Christmas time, and pray with you. Uh, that, that would be awesome. Well, I hope this has been a blessing to you. <clears throat> Hope you have a great week. We'll come back uh, next week with another teaching, but I hope you have a great week. Uh, email me if you need me to pray for you. Until then, have a great, great week, and remember that God is pro you. Thanks for listening to the Portable Pastor Podcast. Pastor Mike serves as pastor at the First Baptist Church in Clover, South Carolina. FBC Clover is a church that focuses on loving God, loving people, and making disciples. For more information about our church and our ministries, or to make an online donation, go to fbcclover.com or email us at fbcclover at gmail.com. Until next time, be blessed. And remember, God is pro-you.